0: What's going on, everyone, and welcome into a live stream of the Jack Vita Show. We have a lot to discuss. We're hanging out here on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. We're going to be talking about the first couple days of the NCAA tournament. Boy, is there a lot to talk about. We've had a really fun couple of days on the podcast. Really a fun week. Uh, Just released my NL Central preview last week. Andrew Stem, who, as you can see, is with me right now. He and I banged out a full Bracket Special, where we previewed the bracket, everything coming up. We did that on Selection Sunday. Also did a fun show with my cousin Zoe, where she doesn't watch college basketball at all, and she filled out a bracket on the podcast. So it was interesting to see how someone who's not much of a sports fan goes about that business. Andrew, welcome back. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Jack. I appreciate you having me on. It was a, a much-needed
1: couple of good days of basketball, And uh, to be a good guest, just a cheap plug, both uh, the podcast with Zoe and the NL Central Preview, very entertaining, (laughs) highly recommended. Uh, So if you haven't listened to it yet, make sure that you do, because some good content out there.
0: Good stuff. Thank you very much, Andrew. I appreciate that. And we also have a couple episodes coming up this week. Uh, We're going to do another one of these live streams on Tuesday morning, and I will be joined by your comrade. Paul Oren. Paul Oren will be joining me 10 a.m. on Tuesday morning. you have to check that out. I'm, he's going to have an
1: uh, interesting story. Make sure you talk to him. He went down and covered the Drake game and uh, what that whole experience
0: was like. Oh, yeah. I'm sure he'll have a lot of interesting stuff. Uh, firsthand, some stuff, I'm sure, some funny stuff that he's got to say from watching from the couch as well, so that should be a good time. And then I also recorded the NL East preview that'll drop later this week. So good, good time to subscribe to the Jack Vita Show so you don't miss out on any of these episodes that we have coming out. Should be a lot of fun. Best time of year. Andrew, first and foremost, how are you doing? I'm
1: doing pretty well, thanks. It's been, uh, you know the it it's been a a constant go. It felt like from the beginning, from that first game with Virginia Tech and Florida going to overtime and yeah. Florida not abiding by the rule of fouling up three, and it almost came back to bite them, and then. It, Kind of rolled all the way through in the last game of the night. Last night, Abilene Christian getting the upset over Texas uh, after it looked like Andrew Jones had played hero for, uh, for the Longhorns and then uh, a couple of, of clutch free throws from Joe Pleasant, a 58% free throw shooter. Uh, all those double-digit upsets. Uh, it seemed like we almost got two years' worth of madness in this first round. Uh, the teams really they stepped up and, and gave us some exciting basketball. It
0: really had been too long. As I was watching it, it felt... It kind of felt... I felt like I'd forgotten what that felt like, those first couple days of the tournament. It felt so long ago. And two years ago, I had also had my thyroid taken out just a few weeks before the tournament. So I wasn't feeling very well. So it's been a long time since I was able to cover and podcast on the tournament. Really great to be back.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it was one of those things where I was sitting there and... On Wednesday, Big Ten Network was showing classic games from teams who'd won from the tournament, and it was a game from, it was Michigan State, and I think Bradley or something along those lines. It was from two years ago, and I was like, this game feels like it was forever ago. <laughs> yeah. it, it's just so, and there was so much that happened in these last couple of days. I know we've only got an hour, and we'll touch yeah. on as much as we can, but there, there were so many good stories. Uh, the first time that there's ever been four 13 teams seeded 13 or higher going to the round of 32. Wow. Uh, everybody except a 16 seed pulled off the upset win. Lots to talk about, man. Syracuse, I, I didn't listen to my own advice. <laughs> Syracuse does it again as a double-digit seed. Uh, I'm sorry to my Purdue friends. I was so high on them, and then they just... Never really got in the game against North Texas. The must bus was in neutral for a while before <laughs> they got rolling. So much happened.
0: So better yet, how is your bracket doing right now, Andrew? It's
1: it's hanging in there. I had Texas in the Elite Eight, so that one hurt a little bit. Uh you know, Final Four is still all intact so far. I think I got 22 of the 32 right, got some of the upsets right, some of the upsets wrong. All things considered, it's hanging in there. It's not not too bad. How about yours?
0: Pretty good, I'd say that. So I have the bottom left region perfect so far, which is my claim to fame at this time. I am leading the Jack Vita Show pool. I'm tied with a few others. I'll update the standings uh, before we go at the end of this show. But um, I think you're right behind me. Your pra- your bracket's doing pretty well. I haven't taken too many big hits. I have eleven Sweet Sixteen teams alive today, which isn't great, uh, but. I am proud of myself for, you know, there were some of these upsets that I went for and I was dead wrong on. Uh, I'm looking at Liberty. I'm looking at, uh, there's some other ones. Winthrop was another one I was hoping for. UC Santa Barbara. But I'm glad that the Wildcats pulled through for me last night.
1: Yeah, yeah, they, uh, you know, it was a remarkable game. They got, the, the stat I saw this morning was they took 27 more shots than Texas did last night between their offensive rebounds and the number of turnovers that Texas had. It was a season high, I think 24 and they didn't shoot the ball very well. They shot under 30% from the field. They shot 17% from three and won the game because they took 27 more shots. They, they got the pace at the play that at the put where they wanted it. Uh, Texas never looked comfortable on offense. And it felt, again, like that North Carolina-Villanova situation a little while in the 2016 title game. Andrew Jones hits this big shot, and you think he saved him. And then they go down, and there's a foul, and it was a foul. And 58% free-throw shooter looked like a 90% free-throw shooter. I think that's what Lisa By- uh Lisa Byington said on the broadcast last night. Very just calmly, ice water in the veins, made them both. And good story for, for the Wildcats there. That you know they get their they get their first NCA tournament win. North Texas also got their first NCA tournament win, and a couple of long uh, streaks without NCA tournament wins got snapped. It, it there was so much that happened.
0: Yeah, Joe Pleasant with those free throws last night. And it was so interesting. I felt. I felt nervous for him. I'm watching him. I knew that he was a 58% free throw shooter and surprisingly an amazing three point shooter for that matter. He's a 49% three point shooter, 58% free throw shooter. And there was that game was so weird because they took a few minutes where they were wiping down the court at one point and with about 50 seconds left. That seemed to play into Texas's favor because Texas had a little bit of a chance to regather themselves. Andrew Jones hits that three. Joe Pleasant, I'm watching him. He's standing at the line for what seems like an eternity. Typically, you see guys, when they're going to shoot those free throws, they walk around a little bit. They pace, kind of like a pitcher does before he steps into the mound. He's just standing there like a statue, and I'm just taking deep breaths myself. I'm nervous. I pick the upset, and I want to see as many upsets as I can. I think that's what makes it great. So that was just... He hit both of those. Abilene Christian, first tournament win. Actually, Andrew, great day for two Christian colleges. We had Abilene Christian and Oral Roberts. Uh, Oral Roberts with the huge shocker. Now, unfortunately, uh, Liberty wasn't able to complete the Holy Trinity there. Yeah. <laughs> no, but
1: man, uh, you know, Abilene Christian played well. And I assume we'll get, we'll touch on the awesomeness that is Max Acemus, um and Kevin O'Banner. They, yeah. they took it to Ohio State. You know, I was kind of conflicted uh, when I was an undergrad. Oral Roberts and Valpo were in the same league. It was the Mid It's since become the the Summit League, and we're two leagues removed from that. But Oral Roberts was Valpo's biggest rival, so it was really hard to root for Oral Roberts. But I went to Michigan, and Ohio State is Michigan's biggest <laughs> rival. So it was it was kind of one of those things where I wasn't really sure if that I was. I didn't really want to pick one team or other to even win the game, but. A credit to those guys, you know, Acemas and O'Banner, they, they were awesome. They combined for 59. You know, Ohio State had that shot to win at the end of regulation. Dwayne Washington, tough step back three in a tie game. It sounded like maybe later that wasn't necessarily the shot they were looking for. But, you know, Oral Roberts, they kept taking punches and survived. And they're a really good free throw shooting team. And you think, you see sometimes that's where in these close tournament games that that can be the difference. Uh, we saw it with, you know, Evelyn Christian, not necessarily the best free throw shooting team, but you see free throws making a difference. Uh, it happened the same thing in the uh, Creighton game. Christian Bishop makes two free throws with about 10 seconds left to lead them over Santa Barbara. Just these last second kind of situations and guys coming through and credit to Oral Roberts. They, they played well, did the summit league proud and, you know, I don't think a whole lot of people had heard of Acemas beforehand, even though he's the leading scorer in the country. They know him all now.
0: I was dead wrong on Oral Roberts. There was a quote that my sister was happy to pull out on Twitter where I said on my show with Zoe that if Oral Roberts would win, I will eat cat food on this podcast. So now the question for you, Andrew is uh meow mix or uh <laughs> nine lives, what should I be eating on here? I mean, I guess the question is whether you're gonna go with dry or wet, I suppose. What will be more palatable for you? Um <laughs> well, I think the dry would probably be easier, but I feel like when I when I said it, I was envisioning wet cat food. I mean, should I and also I'm my curious is how much do how much do I need to eat? Like I was thinking like a spoonful. Like just, I don't need I, to eat like a whole can of it. No,
1: I think a spoonful is probably good.
0: <laughs> so I'm gonna save that. That won't be in this episode, but I'll do that at some point in one of these live streams. Uh, and I, <laughs> I don't think Zo- I'll do it with Pete. You have to get yeah. Zoe back on. Yeah, I should. I was thinking of having someone like Tyree or Parker to come on and have them laugh at me as okay. I do it.
1: <laughs> that would be that'd be a good group to have.
0: Yeah, we'll figure it out. But Oral Roberts, I was so confident that Ohio State was going to win that game. Now they were without Kyle Young. I always mix up it. Kyle Young, that's That's his name. Yeah. Um, For some reason, I want to call him Kyle Smith or something of that. Kyle Anderson, something like that. Kyle Young, that was a significant loss. Uh, Huge win for Oral Roberts. They really set the tone for this tournament with that win because we've seen In the past, over the last couple of years, I remember the last tournament we had, really, I think the biggest upset we had was like a 12 seed. I think it was Liberty. We didn't have too many of those huge upsets in that first weekend. So to have that, it's just, it's so fantastic. It's so fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those. And I don't, I can't remember if we talked about this
1: on Selection Sunday, but I felt like there was some hesitancy in picking upsets. Because with fewer fans in attendance, you know, if you if you've ever been to an NCAA tournament game, you you're, you watch them on TV. If you're not rooting for the team who's trying to be upset, a lot of the neutral fans will start rooting for the upsets. People like they want to see the the double digit, the higher seeds pull off these wins. So, you know, I I was a little bit unsure if there aren't as many fans, is that stuff gonna you know will it will there not be as much to show up? Um, but it, this obviously wasn't the case as they've rolled right on through all these double-digit seeds, all these higher seeds winning. You had a couple of 10 seeds out of the Big Ten, even 11, 12, 13, 14, and 15. And it, it hasn't made a difference at all. And seems like this, you know, in kind of the crazy season has, has sort of even played to their advantage even more.
0: Yeah, that was that was very interesting to see. Grand Canyon brought their fans. Uh, I don't know if you saw their synchronized dance moves. and they, they do that at all their home games, too. I caught some of their home games this year, uh, at least on ESPN. Plus, when I could catch those, I don't have access to that anymore. But the Antelopes, their crowd is a lot of fun. And that was a fun little segment they did on their synchronized dance moves uh, there in Indy. And seeing the Iowa fans a little bewildered by it.
1: Yeah, yeah, made for it, it's good. It's been so long since there's been a full crowd in a basketball stadium. And I know they're not anywhere close to full, but to see fans, to hear fans has been really, really good. Yeah.
0: So, as I mentioned, Iowa was able to get through Grand Canyon. That was an interesting one. Liberty was an upset that I had. I actually took Liberty to Sweet 16. I knew that Oklahoma State game was going to be a real tough one. Uh, I wouldn't call it a coin flip, but I really was – I like both teams, so that was a hard one for me to pick. I thought we'd see the upset. Liberty gave them a good game. That was interesting to see those contrasting styles of Oklahoma State really pushes the tempo and – as a result, they, they're they fine with turning the ball over a little bit. Liberty, on the other hand, plays very slow. It was interesting to see those two teams get trapped into each other's styles. That was, I think, one of the more underrated, uh, cool games to watch this weekend. Yeah, it absolutely was. And, you know, the committee didn't do
1: Liberty any favors. Oklahoma State, I think, was under Yeah. Uh, they they probably should have been on the three line as opposed to the four line. They didn't do maybe you, maybe you flip them in Texas. Yeah, yeah, certainly that would be a, a would have been a very easy switch to make, and just one of those where you know to Oklahoma State's credit, I feel like they've got to feel good because they didn't get a very, you know, Cade Cunningham scored 15 points but got a bunch from the line. He only shot three of 14 from the field. Um, Avery Anderson was fantastic with 21 and seven rebounds so to to win a game like this and Liberty certainly as you mentioned a high quality opponent uh, one that a lot of people were picking to get the upset Uh, Darius McGee played pretty well I had four guys in double figures did the flames but uh, for Oklahoma State going forward to win a game when Cade Cunningham the presumed number one pick in the 2021 draft coming up here in a little while to win without him playing at his best. I think portends well for them going forward. They're going to have an interesting game today against Oregon state. And, uh, we'll see how things go. The Beavers, the Beavers just can't seem to lose anymore all of a sudden.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And you get to see OSU versus OSU and they wear the same colors. So that's going to be a little confusing. It's kind of like for people who have played, Video sports video games online, you play against someone who uses the same team and you have like the same uniforms out there. Uh, that'll be interesting to watch, absolutely! Absolutely. So, oh, Joey Ricotta left us a comment. Joey Ricotta, a good friend of the show, he's been on here. He said, I picked Oklahoma State to win it all in one of my brackets. Let's go now, Joey. I'm curious, do you feel better or worse after that performance? Because I think that. That's, that's really, as you mentioned, Andrew, that's something where you say, okay, Cade didn't play very well, and we still won that game. But is Cade going to step it up? Because you have this whole sort of situation, a little bit of a cloud that hangs over Oklahoma State's head if, you know, what's going on with that whole situation. Is he going to be the same guy that we saw most of the season? Is he a little distracted? Is he going to turn the corner here um, and – You know, the the whole team didn't look great for that matter either. So it's really one of those where you could say you could go either way.
1: Yeah, I think you could go either way. Like you said, it really is a credit to Liberty. Uh, A high-quality program that they have built there out of the Atlantic Sun and back-to-back NCAA tournament appearances. And you you mentioned their upset win over Mississippi State two years ago. Could have very easily pulled this one off this time. A high-quality program there in Lynchburg, Virginia. And, um, you know, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how Oklahoma State responds today against the Beavers. Some of these, you know, highly anticipated second round matchups didn't show up and it will be intriguing to see how especially those double digit seeds fare because it seems like it takes so much momentum to get that first win. And then sometimes you show up in the second round and then your legs aren't quite there. Maybe you're doing a little bit too much celebrating. You let people tell you how great you are whatever it is and but it'll be interesting to see if they can come back and do like Florida Gulf Coast did uh when they beat Georgetown and then won their second round game to get to the sweet sixteen. Is there a twelve? Is there a twelve, a thirteen, a fourteen, or even a fifteen seed Noel Roberts? Can one of those teams or multiple of those teams get that second win and get to the second weekend? I know it's a little bit different with the schedule this year, but can they can they make that move and who of those maybe is most likely to do that? I don't know if you have a particular hankering. I mean, I guess we're going to get one double-digit seed in Sweet 16 guaranteed out of UCLA or yeah. Abilene Christian. But, you know, can a team like Ohio, can North Texas come out and control the game against Villanova like they did against Purdue? Can Oral Roberts, you, you know, if, they do, if Mike White doesn't have uh, his attention on Max Asemus and Kevin O'Banner, that could be interesting. Can Oregon State pull the upset? You know, what about Syracuse and West Virginia with that old uh, Big East rivalry? Can we get a couple of double digit seeds into the Sweet 16? I think that's going to be one of the many storylines as we go forward
0: here. Yeah, I think it absolutely could happen. It certainly will happen with the UCLA Abilene situation. We haven't really mentioned the Ohio Bobcats with that, you, you briefly touched on them. Another, uh, another big win out of the Mac. I think the Mac, that was something where I looked at it and I said, okay, I know this team's quality, but I was thinking, you know, Akron or Toledo were probably the best two teams out of the Mac. And I thought, well, typically you want to see the one of those top two teams coming out of a mid-major. The Mac's a really dang good mid-major though. So, Ohio comes back into the tournament, wins another game in the tournament. They've done this before. Uh, and ACC, really a rough, uh, rough cu- first couple of days for the ACC with that Virginia loss and a number of other losses for that matter as well.
1: Yeah. And, you know, people were calling this Ohio win an upset, and by seeding it was. And according to Vegas, it was. But think about all that Virginia went through with not traveling until uh, Thursday to get up there. They, had one practice before their game. So it wasn't all that surprising Uh, credit to, you know, Jason Preston. Uh, We mentioned him on the selection Sunday show, 11 points, 13 rebounds, eight assists for the Bobcats Uh, Bennett Vanderplas, who goes by Ben and in interesting side note, his dad was a teammate with Tony Bennett and his full name given is Bennett. And it's because uh, his dad and Tony Bennett were teammates and now he's helping lead, is Ohio over Tony Bennett's team, but he came up with some big three-pointers, back-to-back ones when it looked like Virginia had kind of seized control of the game, and uh, not surprising that the Bobcats ended up with that win, and they're going to give Creighton everything they can handle and more, which, you know, for the Jays, after they got uh, everything they could handle from UCSB, uh, they'll be ready, but it it would not surprise me at all to see Ohio in the Sweet 16 for the, the second time. You know, after they made that run in 2012, they knocked off Michigan, and I honestly can't remember who they beat in the second round before they ran into North Carolina. They had Clark Kellogg's son on that team, uh, so the Bobcats just continue to show out for the MAC. Um, and another conference that has performed pretty well, if you don't mind me transitioning, kind of away no, not from, at all. If you don't mind me transitioning away from Ohio Conference USA and North Texas, the Mean Green, Javion Hamlet, but uh, nor- the Conference USA automatic bid winner has won a first-round game now in five of the last six NCAA tournaments. Wow. Middle Tennessee is a 15, then the next year over Michigan State, then Middle Tennessee is a 12. Uh, the year before, Middle Tennessee, UAB beat Iowa State, and uh, then North Texas, and I'm trying to remember, there's one in 18 or 19 that I missed who's escaping me at this point, but five of the last six tournaments. and you know I shouldn't have been surprised the way North Texas handled Charles Bassey in the Conference USA title game from Western Kentucky and he's going to be a first round pick in the NBA draft and that they would be able to attack Trevion Williams and Purdue. And, you know, this would game Purdue just never looked comfortable. It was kind of amazing that it went to overtime that the little stat box popped up and there were two ties and one lead change. And I feel like in a game that goes into overtime, you hardly ever see that. Normally it's, you know, there's been 15 lead changes and 13 (laughs) ties or something like that. And North Texas just kind of took control from the beginning and Purdue kind of chipped away. And you sort of felt when Purdue tied it and got it to overtime. Okay. They're going to, you know, they're going to put the metal, the pedal to the metal and they're going to kind of run away at overtime. And then they missed their first nine shots and North Texas just controlled it from the outset of overtime Hamlet, twenty-four points, uh, twelve rebounds, five assists. He was outstanding. His father, they kept showing him in the stands, was providing some more entertainment as well. Um, you know, that's one of the kind of bonus things you talked about, uh, Grand Canyon and their and their dances and all these <laughs> other things. You know, the tournament gives you a chance to get all sorts of stories. They were showing McCronin's father when UCLA was playing BYU. And just all the stories and, and the focus on fans. Um, we're talking about Evelyn Christian and Joe Golding's wife got shown a lot on TV. She was living and dying with every play that happened. And just so good to see all of that and the reactions and get all the stories. But yeah, shout out to the Mac. Shout out to Conference USA, the Bean Green from North Texas. They they controlled that game from the tip. And other than Purdue, you know, getting into and forcing overtime, they were never really in the game, it felt like.
0: Yeah, they. it was a great game for the Mean Green. And another upset that we almost saw that we didn't see, UC Santa Barbara. That was one of the worst choke jobs that I remember from one of these mid-majors in recent memory. That was. We're going to see that. Uh, I mean, we won't see the foul that they committed defensively, uh, which was a, a bad foul. Uh, some people didn't love the call. I didn't really care i thought it was fine nevertheless uh that guy hits uh (laughs) he has a little runner uh and it rims out it was just a little little too much on the little much too much juice on that ball that's we're gonna see that in the one shining moment video uh with like that verse with like the road is long and (laughs) all that stuff yeah the pass to to set that up
1: to you know the vision of uh, Ja'Coy McLaughlin, he fights through the double team and gets it off. And I thought for sure when he let it go, the rudder was going to go in.
0: Yeah. Just, so. just the
1: way it looked out of his hand and, uh, you know, it, it didn't fall. And the people around here sort of feel like Creighton had been snake bit in the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, they, they never were in the game against Kansas state the last time. And if they'd have beaten Kansas state, they'd have played UMBC in the second round and how that broke down and they've had injuries and various other things and just, you couldn't seem to get over the hump, but it seemed like this was going to be another one where they were going to fall a little bit short, but uh, Christian Bishop makes a couple of free throws in the last 15 seconds. And, you know, Creighton was down. Uh, Santa Barbara looked like they had kind of taken control of that game. Creighton fought back and Creighton was ahead and, and the, the game track and and who's kind of favored to win goes on and, and, and it goes up and down and up and down and it comes back and forth. It was everything you want. and, I was telling a friend of mine, because if it were anybody except Creighton, I would be 100% rooting for the upset. And it feels weird to be rooting for the non-upset team. But, um, you know, they're happy here in Omaha that the Jays kind of broke through and don't want them to rest on their laurels and try and knock off Ohio and get to the program's first Sweet 16. But uh, it was, you know, one of those games it looked like for a while that we weren't going to get as many upsets on Saturday as we'd gotten on Friday. And that looked like kind of one of those missed opportunities. And and we picked up some in the the evening session with Ohio and Abilene Christian, but for a while it looked like things were going to kind of be business as normal. And that was one of those five twelves that
0: we just missed out on. Yep. Yep. So my next question for you, Andrew, is who impressed you the most uh, this weekend? I got a couple, I mean, Texas tech, that was a big win. I had Utah state in that upset just because tech had They had a weird scheduling year with COVID and everything, and I didn't really know. They've been a really good tournament team the last couple of times, and Chris Beard is a great coach, and they have a great player in Mac McClung. But I really liked the Aggies, and they were up at half. Tech slammed the door shut in their face in the second half. They looked great. I think Tech in Arkansas today is going to be a really good game. I think Tech, now with Ohio State out of the picture, I think Tech is one that has the potential to go on a, a, a deep run in this tournament.
1: Yeah, never count out Chris Beard. He's never lost in the first round, which is one of those statistics that pops up after you make the pick. When Because I was like you, I also picked Utah State to win. And Nemeskita Keita looked like, as you said, the Aggies were up at halftime. It looked like things were going to gonna go. And then Tech... Continued to play smothering defense and their offense finally got going. They were impressive. I thought Colorado was impressive. You'd heard yeah. a lot about, you know, they were I can't remember what the stats were, but they they were like four and seven or something on the road in road/slash neutral games. And it's like, well, once you get them down out of the mountains, they're not gonna play as well. And people had kind of highlighted Georgetown and they just rolled them from the very beginning. McKinley Wright was fantastic. Um, other impressive, I was impressed with USC. They pulled away. Drake hung around for quite a while, but, uh, USC looked good. We'll give one to Smitty. I know he's not here this morning. I think we got a shout out to Wisconsin Badgers. Uh, I'm really hoping that they start doing a Brock Lesnar meme and putting the one in 29 and one for Roy Williams in first round games, (laughs) uh, handing that first Brad Davidson was spectacular. And, you know, you start to see kind of what might happen when, some of these Big Ten teams or other, once you get out of conference play. But uh, Davidson, 29 points, 5 of 7 from 3, 6 rebounds. He was he and Dimitri Trice were fantastic. And that was a game they just took control of very early on and never let North Carolina in. And a, a little bit surprising, I think, because people were pretty high on North Carolina and thought they perhaps had been a little bit... Under-seated. Some people thought they could have been a seven. Um, but yeah, the, the Badgers, who'd been, I think, severely disappointing up through that game on Friday. And it all lined up that I don't, I don't know what, honestly, whether it was just getting out of the Big Ten and getting to play somebody different or, you know, all those seniors that they have on their roster. But for, for one 40-minute period, anyway, they looked like the Wisconsin team we thought we were going to be getting all year. And, I, and their game against Baylor today could be sneaky good. Oh, yeah. Like, like I, I would still probably edge Baylor, but, you know, Wisconsin plays that type of defense with those veteran guys that could give the Bears problems.
0: Yeah, I think Wisconsin can 100% win that game. Now, I love Baylor a little too much to, uh, I mean, like, this is another one where You know, I ended up modifying my bracket after we did the live show. I mean, you got to take a little bit of time to digest and marinate in it and see where you want to go. So I ended up sending the three one seeds, the big three, Gonzaga, Baylor, and Illinois. I do think that these games today, though, Baylor and Wisconsin and Illinois-Loyola, I think both those games are really dangerous. I think the eight seed could win, or in in Wisconsin's case, the nine seed, I think They could realistically win these games, both those teams. I would not be shocked if we lose one, if not both teams today. I don't think that. And that's what makes this tournament so great. I think Wisconsin, part of the thing with them, Andrew, is that I think they kind of just need a little bit of a break. So they got a little bit of time in between that Big Ten tournament and the NCAA tournament. They finally won in Mackey or Arena. That doesn't happen uh, very often. It had been seven years since their last one, uh, but I think I think it was good to get a little break. They didn't have to do too much travel, and it, even though they even though they haven't played well at Mackey, it's a place they're familiar with, and so I think there are a lot of things going well for Wisconsin. I like their experience. I like that they're a senior laden team. And realistically, we could see all these guys back next year, Andrew.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, with that free year of eligibility, I would imagine most of those guys probably want to move on and start professional careers. But you don't know, depending on how far they get, like if they come close to upsetting Baylor today and lose by a few points, and they decide next year, you know, what, we want to run it back. Uh, they they're certainly within their their realm and right to do that. And I I think you're absolutely right. I think that both of these one seeds should win but i think they're going to need probably their best effort of the season to move on because you know if if Baylor slips a little or Illinois slips a little bit uh Wisconsin and Loyola both capable teams of of knocking off those those one seats
0: i was also impressed with arkansas they reaffirmed my belief in them although i do think this tech game today is going to be very tough that's going to be a real tough one Thankfully for whoever wins that game, they're going to get Florida or Oral Roberts. So Ohio state's out of the picture. Arkansas, they looked really good in the second half when they sort of hit, they flipped the switch and they looked a lot better. And then LSU, who I have coming out of the East region as a final four team, they made me feel a little, a little good about that pick yesterday by how they blew out the Bonnies.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, you know, it took about a half to get going the, uh, it's kind of a, a battle of wills who can kind of impose their tempo. The Bonnies wanted to play slow. LSU wants to get up and run. And, you know, for the first five, 15 minutes of that game, St. Bonaventure had it exactly where they wanted. It was still a relatively close at halftime, but LSU kind of poured it on in the second half. They look good. Their matchup with Michigan is going to be really interesting on two, uh, on Monday, you know, uh, LSU has three guys who will probably play in the NBA. Michigan's still trying to figure out that, find their way with Isaiah livers on the sideline with an injury. Um, you know, it's kind of become a, a relatively popular upset pick. You, you picked it. Um, you know, it will be interesting to see because I think that game is being played at Lucas oil and how much, if anything, does it benefit the big 10 teams for playing the big 10 tournament there, you know, because in those big stadiums, the shooting background is different. And I know it's all kind of different without fans and everything, but if you're not used to playing in a venue like that, will there be some benefits to the big 10 teams? Maybe there won't be, maybe it won't matter at all, but will that be something that might help them out? Uh, you know, it'll be a primetime game on CBS. And uh, that's another one, you know, we've kind of highlighted, I mean, I think really the only, one seed second round game that doesn't strike me as, Hey, if the one seed doesn't show up, they could lose this game is probably Gonzaga and Oklahoma. And that's no offense to Lon Krueger's team. Um, really it's just the steamroller that they've got going <laughs> in Spokane. Like, you know, who do you see like Norfolk state led at the under 16 media timeout of the first half. And, you know, it looked for a while, like Gonzaga was, Struggling, and then they ended up winning by forty-five. <laughs> so you know.
0: And by the way, Andrew, I thought Norfolk State was actually—they're one of the mid-majors that I watched a few times this year. They were typically on on Friday nights. It seems. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought they were a pretty good team. I was actually a little surprised that they were one of those teams that got a play-in game. To tell the truth, so that's nothing to sneeze at the fact that that was close in the first half.
1: Yeah, no, no, in the Spartans, you know, they made headlines with that big upset they knocked off Missouri in 2012 so no strangers to pulling off upsets and you no know, for a while it looked like they were going to give Gonzaga everything had, and then Gonzaga just has another gear on um, right that very few other maybe Baylor maybe Illinois has we haven't seen it from Baylor recently so maybe only Illinois has Where you can just kind of flop it into another gear and go and they just pulled away and it got to the point where I was following the Abilene Christian game and just kept looking up at that little ticker on the bot on the top of the screen. And every time I looked up, it seemed like Gonzaga had built its lead by five more points, really impressive from them. And, you know, Oklahoma has some good players. We- we've talked about the Sooners, Austin Reeves, and it was a nice win for them to beat Missouri. But, you know, if Gonzaga laser focused, it's going to take a Herculean effort from Oklahoma to, to win that game. So but yeah, the other three one seeds need to be on the lookout. And I mean, I think by the time you get to this, you know, you've got to beat good teams. You want to get to the final four, you have to beat good teams. they even by the round of 32, there aren't any bad teams left. There's there's no flukes. You know, whether you, you look at the the 14, you know, the 13, 14 seeds, Ohio, North Texas, Abilene Christian, Oral Roberts, like those are good basketball teams. Are they as good, maybe, as as some of the other teams? No, but they're they're still good basketball teams. And you can't take any opponent lightly at this point. Um, so yeah, it's there, you know, we we maybe were denied a few of the the more enticing second round matchups. Uh, Oregon. That's state, fine. Uh, yeah.
0: I'll, I'll, yep. I'll sacrifice those for the upsets. That's Absolute, what makes the it.
1: Absolutely. And, uh, <laughs> you know, Oregon state kind of robbed us of Tennessee and Oklahoma state, but Oregon state is honestly right now playing as well as, Anybody in the country outside of Gonzaga and Illinois, I would say. I mean, they've they yeah. won five in a row, and they they took it to Tennessee from the beginning. That game was, you know, it was a ten point game. I felt like five minutes in, and it basically just stayed there the entire night. Um, you know, one other team. I think if we're going to talk about teams that impressed, and one let me of these, guess, uh, Syracuse. Yes. <laughs> one, what, one of these years, I will remember to pick double-digit seed Syracuse to win its first-round <laughs> game. Uh, I got kind of high on San Diego State and the Mountain West. If we're going to talk about disappointments, the, the Mountain West did not exactly cover themselves in glory this time. But Buddy Bayheim scored 30. He's on fire. And yeah, and it was one of those things where – it was close for a little while, and then Syracuse started to pull away towards halftime. And once that happened, it was over. Um, you know, seven of 10 from three for Bayheim. He's been spectacular. Um, got 12 from Joseph Girard, and, you know, 15 of 27 from three for Syracuse. I can't imagine there are too many defenses in the country who could overcome allowing your opponent to make 15 of 27 threes. So you know, props to Syracuse. They they do it again. Jim Boeheim's team. They they just end up on the bubble discussion. They're going to be in. Or are they going to be out? And then they just they just find ways to win. And, and I really like this Syracuse West Virginia matchup. You know, go back to going back, oh, to, yeah, the, going back sure. to the old the old Big East. Um, <laughs> and, and you know, will West Virginia? And their size will that cause problems for Syracuse? Can Buddy Beheim keep scoring? That's it's kind of one of those I feel like is not being talked about a bunch in the second round. That could be a sneaky, really good second round game.
0: Yeah, you have the press versus the zone. I mean, what if you love basketball and you like strategy and coaching and all that stuff? What more could you ask for than this matchup right here?
1: I, I can't ask for. I can't think much. Uh, you know, in two of the, you know. Bob Huggins just won his 900th career game, you know, two of the, the stewards of college basketball have been in the game a long time, Bob Huggins, Jim Boeheim, you know, two guys who are pretty familiar with each other, you know, for that time when West Virginia, uh, you know, when they were both, when they ran in biggie circles together, and it should be a good one. It should be thoroughly entertaining. And, you know, will West, is West Virginia familiar enough with Syracuse's 2-3 zone? I mean, it's been a few years since they've been conference mates, but – um It'll be interesting to to watch and see how everybody goes at it.
0: There's a path here in the bottom half of the Midwest region for Syracuse to legitimately get to the Elite Eight. Uh, And we'll see what happens today. You're going to have to beat West Virginia. Tell the truth, if I was Illinois, I would rather have the two-seed in this region and have Houston's path where you're playing Rutgers today and then either West Virginia or Syracuse... Or, yeah, and then I'd rather have that path than Illinois' path where they have to play Loyola today and then potentially, I mean, Oregon State or Oklahoma State in the next round. I don't like Illinois' path all that much as much as I like Illinois. Yeah, yeah. I I felt like, you know, we talked about that on Sunday.
1: Uh, The committee didn't do Illinois any favors, you know, after Drexel either Georgia tech who'd won the ACC tournament, or they end up playing Loyola uh, a top 10 team in Ken Pomeroy's ratings, one of the top defenses in the country. And then you look at potentially other Oregon state who, if they knock off Oklahoma state will have been playing as well as anybody in the country, or you're taking out Oklahoma state in the sweet 16 with the potential, most likely number one pick in the NBA draft. So yeah, it, they, they will have earned it if they get to the final four, um, and I think we should highlight Rutgers in Houston a little bit. I, 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 Steve Peichel, the job he's done at Rutgers, getting that team ready. They get their first NCAA tournament win in more than 30 years. And Houston absolutely took it to Cleveland State. And Quentin Grimes, really good player. They've got a lot of solid players in Houston. But it would not surprise me at all if the Scarlet Knights hung with uh, the Cougars throughout this game today.
0: Yeah, I am th- on the same page with you. Rutgers is another great story that often overlooked from this past weekend. We had really, I mean, this was a great first two days of the tournament. This was a really good one because last time, again, it just wasn't super memorable. It was there were better later round games than early games. It was, and that's what happens when you get a lot of those high seeds advancing. You get good Sweet Sixteen, good Elite Eight, good Final Four, good National Championship. I'm excited to watch. There's so many games I'm excited to watch. Andrew, we have to touch on really the the low point of the tournament yesterday. And that was, what a lot of people still probably don't exactly know what happened. So I'm going to turn it over to you. I think you could probably explain it to the best of your ability as to what information we have and what information we do not have. And that was Oregon advancing VCU Rams' Unable to play due to COVID. I believe they had three, and this is what the information I had. And maybe you have a little more. Maybe you have, maybe you can help clarify this a little bit. They had three positive tests, and I saw there was one on Wednesday, one on Friday, and one on Saturday. The one on Saturday was apparently the nail in the coffin, and uh, they were not able to compete, which is just really unfortunate, really heartbreaking. We knew that this was a possibility. Hate to see it. I turn it over to you, Andrew.
1: Yeah. It's just something it's, it's a shame for all those guys, you know, Bones Highland. We'd, we'd mentioned him as the, the A-10 player of the year and a, you know, not going to get the chance to see him play against Oregon. Yeah, as you said, three positive tests one on Wednesday, one on Friday, one on Saturday. And it's one of those where the incubation period is because in, or, in order to get there, in order to, to show up, you had to have seven consecutive positive, negative tests in a row. So they got there. The, the deadline passed on Tuesday. It was, you have until 6 p.m. on Tuesday to, with, they had the substitute teams, Louisville and whoever else was waiting in the wings to come into the bracket. And so by Tuesday, everything looked good. And then they, they popped their first test on Wednesday morning. Their first positive. Then another one on Friday and Saturday. And they've been wearing these bands that will go off for uh, contract tracing. Contact tracing purposes will let you know when you're with too close, within six feet of somebody else who's wearing one. And it had been determined that they had, you know, weren't going to have enough guys to go. You had to have at least five in order to start. And it just a shame for them. And it sounds like it was one of those things where, you know, we, we talked in a previous episode about how the Atlantic 10 was running their tournament. They started playing in Richmond and it, it started like a week sooner and they played a lot of it in Richmond and then they took a week off and then they went to Dayton for the conference title game because they won't have the conference title game still on CBS. It was scheduled to air on, uh, I think it was Sunday. I think it aired uh, Sunday before the the big 10 title and, you know, you get that primetime slot and you want it to prime slot and you want it to be there. So they, they did a lot of shuffling around and it sounded like there was a lot of other things that were going on in, in Dayton while they were in their hotels and they were following proper protocols and everything. And, you know, you know, it's a shame because the coach said this was the first positive test they'd had on the team since last summer. Um, You know, they, they made it through the whole season. They, you know, had some games canceled because of other teams, but nothing that they'd done on their own and that they'd followed the protocol to a T and, you know, it's just a shame. We we knew that this was a possibility. I I hope for, you know, everyone else's sake that this is the only game that we lose to it, partially because as you go on even further, like the stakes get higher. Yeah. You know, certainly it's a, it's a shame that VCU didn't get a chance to play in its first round game, but what if it happens in an Elite eight game or something like that? You know, you, you, and so you hope that, You hope that this is the only one. I I can't say for sure whether or not it will be, but yeah, it's, it's a shame for them. Um, They will go down in the record books, I guess, as the only team to be eliminated from the NCAA tournament without losing. Uh, So that'll be an answer to a trivia question probably 40 years from now. You know, you remember that. Who's the only team to not win the NCAA tournament but didn't lose a game? And
0: Jack Vita Show Sports Jeopardy. Uh, At age 66, I'm uh, doing that. Uh, There you go. So,
1: yeah, just, uh, you know, we knew it was something that was a possibility, and it's a shame to see it happen. Your heart breaks for all those kids, and, uh, you know, you hope they decide that they get another chance, but – you know, especially in those kind of smaller leagues. I know the a 10 is a bigger league than, you know, say the summit league where it's a one bid league every year, but there are no guarantees ever that you're going to get back to the NCA tournament. And just a shame for those guys that they didn't get a chance to play.
0: Yeah. And so my thought now, obviously is what's going to happen. If we can get to this happens, sweet 16 or the elite eight or the final four. And, My thought process, and again, we don't really have much clarity on it at this time. There will probably be more that we find out over the coming week in the time between this weekend and next weekend. Uh, But I think that really my whole thing was we just need to get through the first weekend because you go from 68 teams to 16 days over the course of five days. You get down to... 16 teams, and obviously you have to figure out the availability of these arenas and stuff of that nature. My thought process, and this is, again, I have no sources. This is just me thinking out loud. I thought, hey, you know what? Maybe you could have something similar to what we saw with the NFL this year, where you get a game scheduled on Thursday, and if they're able to push it back to the following Monday and slow down the tournament – I think that that's something that could be a little manageable. Not manageable when you have 68 teams to start this tournament. So that's going to be something that'll be very interesting to keep an eye on.
1: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It will... I know they've specifically talked about for the Final Four, especially if there were a situation like that, they would try and push it back and, and things of that nature to make sure that you can play the Final Four in full.
0: And I wouldn't mind that, Andrew, by the way, because then we'd have even more basketball. We could have a day where you have two games and then another day with just one game. And I I wouldn't mind that at all.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it would. (laughs) You know, certainly not going to argue with that uh, for more (laughs) basketball. I certainly not going to do that. So it will be I hope it doesn't come up. It would be nice if we can avoid, and I think as you're right, once we get to once we get through the second round and get to start pointing towards next weekend, the chances of that happening will be smaller. Um, but yeah, you know, it's again just just a, a, a raw deal for VCU, um, especially because it sounds like they didn't do anything wrong. It sounded like kind of a, a victim of circumstance where they were in, in Ohio and and other things that happened that it wasn't it wasn't like when Miami, uh, in the middle of February, they got down to North Carolina. There was video of North Carolina players who were at a party, weren't wearing masks uh, after they'd beaten Duke. And my Mi- uh, Miami said, "Nope, we're not going to play on Monday. We're just going to turn around and go home." So it wasn't a situation like that where the you know the VCU guys had been out and hadn't been taking proper precautions they have done everything correctly. And, you know, the, the virus remains kind of undefeated at this particular point, I guess, um, you, you know, you, not to be so blase about it, but that's kind of the way it is at this particular juncture. And um, so, you know, you, you hope that VCU can, first, you hope everybody's healthy that they can recover from this. They're, they're young and um, you know, hopefully they can, they can all fight it off. It sounds like one of the referees who was actually worked at a 10 title game was, not in particularly good shape in Ohio. And um, you, know, you just want everybody to be healthy, and you hope that VCU can come back next year and, and get their other shot at it.
0: Yeah, thankfully, again, <clears throat> that extra year of eligibility is going to be available to, I mean, and obviously not not everyone, the programs have to decide if they want to give those scholarships to everyone. They got recruits coming in. Next year's just going to be kind of sloppy with the amount of guys that we have, and girls in college sports. It's going to be crazy how many student-athletes there are. And, you know, I'm sure we'll hear some unfortunate stories about people not being able to stick at the program they'd like to stick at. But that is one good thing. Is I think if VCU, if these guys come back, they could have a really awesome revenge story next year, the revenge tour, uh, where they... They come in, maybe they make the Sweet 16 next year. That would be awesome to see. All right, so we got about 10 minutes left. So for those who are watching on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, what I would love for you to do is write some comments, give us some uh, questions or takes, and we will try to get to as many of them as we can. I'll put them up on the screen. Haven't had a whole lot of action on here uh, thus far, Uh, and that's okay. Maybe we won't get any as we await those comments andrew in terms of conference performance that we saw in the first two days i'll give you i'll give you the records of the major conferences the significant ones okay and then uh turn it over to you for some thoughts acc 2 and 5 did not surprise me at all the american 1 and 1 a10 o and 1 but they also had one game not happen. Big East 2 and 2, Big 10 6 and 3, Big 12 6 and 1, great showing from the Big 12. Pac-12 5 and 0, great job by the Pac-12. SEC 4 and 2.
1: Yeah, you know, the the ACC it was kind of a down year for them. Um, you know, Virginia winning that regular season championship when Florida State kind of sputtered at the end. Um, And then we we detailed what the the Cavaliers went through and what a wild ride it has been for them over the past few years. they become the first one seed to lose to a 16 seed in 2018. Then they win the 2019 national title. Then 2020 doesn't happen. And then they lose uh, in the first round here in 2021. And I saw a writer from The Athletic, Nicole Auerbach, posted – not too long after the Ohio Virginia game ended and asked if people would take it. Would you take the last four years that Virginia basketball has had being the the one to lose to a 16 and another first round upset, but still getting the national title and everybody, no matter who they rooted for was pretty much like, yes, we will take the national <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> title, you take whatever else comes with it. Um, and Florida State kind of now is left, and Syracuse they're left carrying the banner for the ACC. That Florida State Colorado game is another one of those that could be sneaky good tomorrow. Uh, the four five matchup, kind of what you're, what exactly what you're looking for. McKinley Wright, the fourth for the Buffs, and the size and speed of uh, Florida State. Scotty Scotty Barnes, I think running the point for them. That should be a thoroughly entertaining game. You know, people were talking about the Big Ten had kind of disappointed at one point, especially on Friday after Ohio State and Purdue had both been upset. And then you know, they played and won all their games yesterday. Uh, Michigan, not really ever challenged. although that game got close a little bit towards the end. Texas Southern made a lot of free throws. But Maryland upset UConn. And you know UConn was a team that a lot of people had picked to win one game at least and maybe upset Alabama as well. Rutgers one, two, we talked about the Scarlet Knights a little bit. So the big 10, but really the, the pack, the big 12 and the Pac 12 you know, kind of where it, it begins and ends. You, you talked about their record six and one. I think you said for the big 12 and the Pac 12 is undefeated. Seems like they're likely to get, you know, a couple of teams probably in the sweet 16, uh, especially a credit to the Pac 12 because their highest seeded team was six at USC so, yeah, they've you know pulled some upsets and won some games, and they've looked really good thus far.
0: Yeah, and I think the Big Ten, really, I wasn't surprised by what we saw out of the Big Ten at all because I actually had UCLA winning that game against Michigan State. I was not impressed with Michigan State this year. I didn't think they were a tournament team. Uh, and I think the thing is, I there was a re- big repeated talking point of, well, the Big Ten is incredible. This might be the greatest conference year ever. And I wouldn't go that far. I think the thing with the Big Ten is it's top-heavy this year. It's You have Illinois, Wisconsin. Purdue is another one that you could throw in that mix. You've got Michigan. You've got uh, Ohio State. You've got uh, – there's another – oh, Iowa. So That's like – that's six teams that are legitimate – Threats to go to the Final Four and potentially win the whole thing. But after that, it's like, yeah, you know, Rutgers was really good. Maryland was really good. It wasn't the kind of year, though. I thought the Big Ten actually was tougher last year where there were two teams at the very bottom. I think it was Northwestern and Nebraska, I want to say. Nebraska. Yeah, those two. There were 12 teams that were at one point on the bubble last year, the big 10 was insane. I thought the big 12 or the big 10 was better last year to tell the truth. Yeah. Uh,
1: I don't think I'd argue with that. I think from top to bottom, certainly there was more depth. Yes. And uh, more competitive balance, I think Um, because yeah, as you mentioned, there's definitely a, a jump between the, the top teams are a little bit better this year. The yeah. teams in the medal are maybe a little bit better, but there are teams that towards the bottom that are not as good. And we've, you know, we talked on previous episodes about who was a better league top to bottom. I think we talked about the big 10 and the big 12, you know, with the big 12 getting seven teams in and six of those teams winning their first round games, uh, they certainly showed out really well. And, um, you know, and, and certainly a good chance for a lot of those teams, you know, you'd have to figure, Kansas will probably be favored over USC. That should be a really entertaining game. But uh, you also look at, you know, Oklahoma State. They they could very easily advance. West Virginia could advance. Um, you know, Texas Tech and Arkansas, as you've highlighted, that'll be a good game. Oklahoma, I feel like, is probably really the only Big Twelve team here in the second round where you look at it and go, that could be a little bit of a struggle for them. But all the rest of them, you know, you look at the the rest of the teams they've got left and you feel pretty good about their chances either to win, to at least compete. And so we could be looking at, you know, a quarter of the Sweet 16 being teams from the Big 12. And I don't, I wouldn't find that at all surprising.
0: Yeah, I think I would, and again, we're, I'm not basing it off of what we saw in the last three days. That's not a way that you can judge accurately how good these conferences are. But yeah, I think I would probably take the big 12 as the better conference this year.
1: I I think certainly, you know, the, the way the last couple of days have shaken out. And I know you said that doesn't always (laughs) necessarily mean, but people remember what happens in March. They don't remember what happens in January. You know, I couldn't tell you who won the big 12 sec challenge. Um, (laughs) It was probably the big 12, but You know, people don't remember that, but they remember what you do in March. And if the Big 12 gets four teams into the Sweet 16 and gets two into the Final Four or, um, you know, what have you. And, And certainly if Oklahoma State and West Virginia both end up winning their second round games today, you know, it looks like with Baylor on the top and possibly Texas Tech in the top half of the South region that, you know, it seems likely that they could get at least one and possibly two teams in the Final Four you know that that will say a lot for the Big 12 and they'll kind of plant the flag and it'll be the Big 10s the the top teams in the Big 10s your your michigans and your iowas and your illinois and to kind of come through and say no, nah, we're going to we're going to take the mantle as as top conference this year so
0: a <laughs> couple more things here andrew uh pack 12 i think we should pat ourselves on the back uh, you and i were High on the Pac-12, we said, "Hey, this conference is pretty good. No one's really talking about it." They showed out this week.
1: Yeah, yeah, Colorado. With we talked about them being so impressive. UCLA has been really impressive as well. You, you mentioned picking on to beat Michigan State, and you know, it wasn't sure with Johnny Juzang's injury. He got injured at the end of that Michigan State game. How much he was going to be available, and uh, he played last night and didn't seem to be impacted at all. UCLA took it to BYU from the very beginning. And, um, talk about USC looking impressive and, uh, yeah, just a really, really good day for the PAC 12. And, you know, we talked about the big 12, you look at those other teams and you look at UCLA, Colorado, USC all have really good chances to get to the sweet 16 Oregon state has been playing as well as anybody and could knock off Oklahoma state. So, you know, a chance for the PAC 12 to legitimately get three, maybe four teams into the sweet 16 and for a team again, that for a league whose highest seed was six, you know, the chance that they may still have three teams and when we get down to the final, you know, the Sweet 16 would be really, really impressive for them.
0: <laughs> so I'm not seeing any comments. That's okay. I just have a couple more things. Uh, Andrew, I want to say, go back to something you were mentioning earlier, the ticker that they have on CBS Sports at the top right. I love the way they show these games. I think it's great. Um the bottom line is fine, but sometimes it can be a little distracting. I love the presentation of, I think CBS Sports doing a great job, and True TV, and Turner, and everyone involved. It's a lot of fun to see. The studio shows are fantastic. And one of the other things that really was a, uh, a stark contrast from what we saw in the regular season, to have the play-by-play and color commentators in the arena rather than having them on the Zoom call I hated the Zoom call. I understood why they did it. But there were so many times where you would have these play-by-play guys, which, by the way, that's not an easy job. I think a lot of people, they don't... I I saw people throughout this past year, whether it was with baseball or whatever, there were a lot of times where they had the broadcasters doing the... (laughs) Oh, we got a good comment here. We'll get to it in a second. We had a lot of times where the broadcasters were calling the game the same way as we were watching it on the TV. And it's, it doesn't look the same. You don't have the same kind of information you don't have. And even now they're not right there on the floor. So they don't get to talk to the officials or anything like that. It's a hard job as they've had to do it, but for them to be in the arena. uh, I mean, I think presentation wise, it's been a big step up from the way that a lot of it was presented this year and i think that improves the viewing experience for at least for me and i'm sure for other viewers
1: absolutely and you know you and i have both been we've both done some announcing we've both been on the floor level we've been on the mezzanine level to to broadcast games and as you said you just don't get the same kind of feel as what's going on in the arena you you you, you can't pick up on what the coaches are saying as clearly all sorts of things without being there on to feel it. And yeah, I think that's, that's changed tremendously and it allows for the broadcast to be better. And I think that, um, you know, the quality has been good. I want to say one small thing that really kind of annoys me with CBS's new score bug is that every time a team scores, I don't like that it rolls up real fast and puts the mascot's name that's just kind of a small thing that i find to be distracting because other than that i think the score bug looks great i like the colors i like that it's got the mascots it looks fantastic that's just one minor thing but that's you know something that that bothers me and probably nobody else to be <laughs> perfectly honest but yeah no it's been it's been good the quality of the broadcast has been really good i don't know if it's because they've had 10 broadcast teams instead of the usual 8 And you haven't been broadcasting more than I think the teams have been doing no more than three games in one single day because they've been spreading out the, the, the game. So they're at more venues. So there are more people who can call games. And if that has led people to be less tired or what have you, but the the quality of the calls has been, uh, as good as I can remember in any of the past few NCAA tournaments,
0: so, yeah, lots of lots of good stuff with the broadcast. I'm going to give a little update on the standings of the Jack Vita Show bracket pool. Oh, wait, before I do that, this comment from your sister, Cassie, says, can we discuss Charles Barkley saying roll tide?
1: <laughs> I mean, a, a well-known Auburn alum, he was living his best life a couple of years ago when the Tigers were <laughs> yeah. making the Final Four and – you know, now he's, he's kind of back in Bama and I, I think he likes what Oats is doing there. And it's gotta be always gotta be hard to admit when, you know, your rival is, is playing well and doing well and has a legitimate shot at a national title. And we didn't talk about them. They struggled a little bit with Iona, uh, credit to Rick Pitino and the way his team played and showed out, but Alabama coming through in the end and it'll be interesting to see how far NATO's club can go. Um, Because we talked about they they play defense, they shoot a lot of threes, they're kind of one of the more modern teams in college basketball, and how far can they get playing that way?
0: Absolutely. Should be a lot of fun. Now, the standings for the Bracket Challenge on jackvita.com, the Jack Vita Show, I am actually tied in first place right now with Jack Lindblad. We've got Anthony Cernus, who's, uh, Cernus picked Ohio State, so he's definitely not going to win this one, which is, it's too bad when you waste a really good uh, first round and your champion bows out on day one. Evan Myers, uh, he's, you know, Evan's funny because Evan, I had asked him to do some of these shows, and he's like, you know what, I just haven't watched as much as I normally do. And Evan's a huge college basketball junkie. Uh, he maybe undersells how much he knows. Good job by Evan. Bear Coatman, also tied for the lead. And then right behind us with 23 points. You're there, Andrew. We've got Bruce D. We have my sister, Laura Vida. And then there's Monet LaFever. Uh, Rodimir Vasevich. I, I is a long name. I wasn't able to read the whole thing. And Jonathan McCrary. Uh, so should be a lot of fun. Now, there were some folks who entered who did not, they haven't qualified to win the prize. In order to win the $50 and a spot on this show, you need to leave a five-star rating and review and be subscribed to this podcast. You still got time to do that, so make sure you screenshot that, send it my way. Uh, should be a lot of fun to see how things play out over the next couple of days with these brackets. Andrew, my last question for you. It's easy to get become a couch potato, and it's really nice outside. I love having a little bit of sunlight. I love exercising. I was thinking I want to do a bike ride today. What's the time? The ideal time to get out and miss an hour of action? Okay, well, give me just a second here to yeah, pull take up your the, time to pull take up this
1: pull up the schedule. I had it <laughs>
0: <laughs> while you do that, Andrew. I'll just give the announcements again for the next this week on the podcast. Uh, Paul Oren will join me for another one of these live streams on Tuesday morning. Should be a lot of fun having P.O. in the house. And P.O. was at the tournament uh, for the first four. So I'm sure he'll have some good stories. We'll be dropping the NLE's preview later this week. So we still have two episodes coming up. And then, uh, yeah, again, make sure you subscribe because we're going to have a lot to discuss with the uh, with the tournament coming up, and then we've got still several more rounds of the tournament after this week. Going to preview the AL Central, previewing all things Major League Baseball. We're only a couple weeks away from opening day. I'm so excited. We have our fantasy draft on Saturday, Andrew, which should be a lot of fun. And in addition to all that stuff, so make sure you're subscribed, make sure you're following along on social media so you don't miss these live streams. It's facebook.com slash Show at Jack Vita Show on Twitter and YouTube.com slash Jack Vita. I'll put announcements for the upcoming live streams, and you can also stream them and watch these videos on demand on those services as well. And I'm also running a best bracket, uh, best mascot bracket on my Instagram, so you can vote for that at, uh, at Jack Vita Show on Instagram. Now, is that based
1: on who has the coolest mascots? Yeah. Okay. So, like... Like do you have the UC Santa Cruz banana slugs? Like, are we talking about cool mascots in that way? Or are we talking about like cool it's only masc-
0: tournament teams? Ah, okay. so coolest mascot of the of the field, and we have retired mascots in there as well. So uh-huh. I'll check if, that out then. Biff the uh, Michigan Wolverine. He actually won his first round matchup. Oh, okay. <laughs> they, he hadn't come out in a long time. They've, they've kind of done away
1: with those. Okay, <laughs> so to answer your question about going for a bike ride, how long do you want to ride for? hour okay uh, well right now just about tipping is loyola and illinois i would stay through all of that one Yeah. uh following that is wisconsin and baylor at 140 i'd probably stay through that i think you're probably good after wisconsin baylor ends or if it gets to the point where it's not close in the final few minutes because the 415 is syracuse west virginia but i think if you go and you're home by 5 o'clock, if you can see the second half of that game, that probably sets up well, and that'll lead right into Texas Tech and Arkansas, and I know that's one you're going to want to watch uh, while there's still sunlight, it looks like as we get towards the, the evening hours uh, at 610 and 645, that's Houston, Rutgers, and then Florida, Oral Roberts, that might be kind of one of those where we're waiting for the second half to kind of kick in to really get exciting, and then we wrap it up with Villanova, North Texas, and Oregon State, Oklahoma State, and I know it'll be dark by then, you don't want to be riding your bike at night, no. <laughs> so my suggestion would probably be towards the end of Wisconsin-Baylor if it's not close, uh, or if it is close, as soon as that game ends, and then come back for the second half of West Virginia-Syracuse.
0: And I think there's a little bit of a, there might be a little bit of a stoppage in between those two games, if depending on when the first game ends, but the Wisconsin-Baylor, I think that's, what, 145 and the next one's 415?
1: Yeah, yeah, so assuming that they play at a relatively regular pace and we don't have 17 timeouts in the last... <laughs> 30 seconds of an NCAA tournament game, which I swear is a requirement that the last minute of an NCA tournament game has to last 10 minutes of real time that uh, then we should be good to go.
0: <laughs> Nate Smith says, go Badgers. And by the way, the Badgers also play at a pace that uh, runs the clock out a little bit. So I think this should be, yeah, I think that'll be the time. Make sure you guys get a little bit of exercise in there as well. It's good for you. Get outside. Uh, maybe for some people you want to wait a few days, (laughs) wait for the tournament not to be on, but, uh, we don't have too many great days this time of year, uh, in Chicago. So I'm going to try to capitalize on that. Get a little break in there.
1: I think you should. I'm going to go out and get a little bit of a run here for, uh, before things get going, I'll probably go about the same time. I suggested that you go for a bike ride and enjoy the sunshine and the nice weather and then settle in for a nice evening of basketball.
0: You see this new comment we have here, Andrew?
1: Yeah, hi Anthony. Thanks for checking in.
0: <laughs> Hope you and Lexi are doing well. Anthony Sansoni, good, good to have you, Anthony. We got to get going now, but hopefully you'll join us for our next live stream. Uh, should be a lot of fun. Andrew, uh, parting, parting words, parting thoughts. Social media handle, anything of that nature. Uh,
1: you can find my musings about the NCAA tournament on Twitter astem00. Uh, if you want to read the our local papers coverage, one of my employers, the Omaha World-Herald, how they're covering Creighton. Uh, that's omaha.com slash sports. And uh, it's it was such a good first two days of basketball. Looking forward to two more good ones. And uh, honestly, I'm really looking forward to see what you and Paul Lauren have to say on Tuesday about this second round here uh, to pick his brain, get his thoughts, and see where we go as we get set to build towards the Sweet 16.
0: Yeah, should be a lot of fun. So until, until then, guys, uh, I'm Jack Vita. Bring in the dancing lobsters.